Boxcaster online. Authorization accepted. Upload confirmed. Begin transmission. He looked at the old priest in confusion and shock. I don't understand, he said. We are the scions of the storm, said the old man, gesturing with both arms to encapsulate all the people standing around the temple dais. What in Lorgar's name is that supposed to mean, growled Sor Talgren. The old priest snorted and shuffled past Sor Talgren. He leant forward and brushed his fingertips across the smooth surface of the cube. The pages of the book within the glass prism turned in response, flicking rapidly. Each was intricately illuminated and covered in dense script. Sliding his fingertips more slowly across the surface of the cube, the old priest made the pages turn slower, flicking slowly until he came to the densely illuminated frontispiece of the holy text. He flashed Sor Talgren a sad smile, pointing at the page. The captain of the 34th Company stared wide-eyed at the full-page illumination. It showed a radiant figure bedecked in wondrously detailed armor, detailed in gold leaf. The divine figure's head was thrown back and surrounded by a golden halo. And that was the wonderful storytelling voice of Mr. David Whitek. And that, as ever, is our resident lore master, Greg Dan. And this <laughs> is after Ulanor. It is indeed. <laughs> indeed. How are you, Greg? I had to check myself. I've done so much recording this week, so much <laughs> planned this week. It's like, what show are we doing tonight? Oh, yeah, it's that one. It's all oh. good. I had to, I, I I kept I had to cut this one down like three times. I got into this. Pa- I'm like, oh, this passage is so good. And then I started reading. I'm like, this is definitely the passage I'm going to read. And then I got. I'm like, this is like three pages long. I have to keep cutting, and I had to keep cutting, and I had to keep cutting. I'm like, oh, I love this part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty cool. Um, again, it was another one of those. I started the story rereading it going i can't remember this story and then about a few pages in it was like oh yeah i remember this story i you know i was reading it and i i didn't really remember i've been doing so much other reading and i'm like okay i remember the i remember this part with all the shooting and all this stuff and then it got to that i'm like man i'm like this is just like bolter porn i'm like what is gonna happen i'm like where where's the where's what's gonna happen like i don't remember like i I'm like where's the I'm, I, but it, there's a lot of cool stuff that happens in this that i i did get excited i was taking notes i was writing in the book um so i know you're getting mad we may give this one away as uh as a prize if, if we have a contest i think i'm gonna start doing that just Even. because i can't keep them <laughs> and i just I have no room for them and this one actually yeah. i got so mad i had this one in my school book i mean in my school bag and it got pulled out and like it got like shuffled aside and someone pulled it out of my bag and like the spine is like bent to the point where it's like cracked and i'm just like oh <laughs> this is a sin this poor book i feel so bad for it <laughs> Like you gotta hold it preciously, but that's not the point. The point is we're covering part two of what is definitely going to be a three-parter here of Tales of Heresy. 
indeed. Scions of the Storm, first up by uh, Mr. Anthony Reynolds. Yes. Make sure I get the right Reynolds. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mr. Anthony Reynolds, indeed. Uh, should we dive straight in? Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so we're welcome to the world of 4716. Um, who themselves welcome the word bearers with awe and revenance, yes. which is always a nice sounding kind of welcome, isn't it? Yes. Um, this world's described as irrevocably corrupt worshippers of a heathen deity. Um, you know, there's, there's, we're straight into the main issue here uh, that the word bearers believe the emperor's a god. Um, even against the imperial truth, and uh, they believe that all humanity should be shown the light, and only the truly divine deny their divinity is the is their catch-all for why they worship the emperor. So it's just almost a recap on where the word bearers are, right? Because uh, we've we've not seen them a huge amount so far, have we? <laughs> not in anything that was really great. No, they, they, uh, yeah, know, and, exactly. And I actually was enjoying this for that reason. It came across pretty well because I'm just, they're like snidely whiplash. They're always coming in like curling their mustaches and yeah, And here it was like, oh, look, they're space marines. They're actual coming in, kicking face space marines. And I, 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 it's like I enjoyed seeing them that way. As opposed to driving the giant spaceship or this or the other stuff we've seen them in. Sure, yeah. I, I just um, finished reviewing the first Heretic as well for the Imperial Truth um, because of the Legends collection coming out. All right, and, uh, and it's yeah, it's great to look at the word bearers and the depth that you can go into with them. Um, and this story kind of like you know flirts around that as as much as many of the stories have done here. Uh, it starts to question. Um, the exactly what the Great Crusade was supposed to do, um, and should was that uh, was the goal? Were the goals of the Great Crusade malleable towards the end, uh, as we've experienced in this book and with Horus Rising and right and all that jazz? But yeah, you know, we're aboard the Fidelitas Lex. Uh, oh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, you know the legions in this heated discussion. We got <laughs> Erebus is there as a moderator, already feeling a bit slimy. Right. You know, um, they've and you been got staying. this Sor Talgren, you know, who's coming in here, you know, hey, okay, they're worshipping these guys, but shouldn't we bring them back in the fold? And this automatically, you get that whole sense that you're, t- you know, because I, you know, even I know this part where it's like they take too long. That's why they got in trouble. These guys got in trouble for taking too long turning over planets and yeah you see that oh they're heathen worshipers they're a bunch of they're irre, they're they're not redeemable that and he's coming in here hey look what well, we could hey look they're they're the emperors shouldn't we go down there shouldn't we spend some time and and i'm sitting here going nah dude dude <laughs> this is the stuff that got you in trouble and you know i know yeah. the point of this book and i keep getting duped by every story because I'm a dumbass, I just like I'm not. I, I'm not even thinking straight, you know. As I start reading these, you know. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, this is delved more into in I say in the first um, the first heretic particularly. Right. But, um, the, the word bearers have this issue where they have been um, 
censored, as it were, right. for, for their behavior. And they've been sat dormant for, uh, for over a month um, with Lorgar not available to them. So their, their figurehead's not there. They can't just turn around to him. And this, you know, we see this quite a few times through the heresy where the Primarchs are having to deal with change of some kind. And the legions, when, when a Primarch's a little bit unavailable or not, not sure of himself, the whole legion kind of grinds and becomes this weird kind of what do we do? If, if, our, if our illustrious leader doesn't know what to do, what do we do? Yeah, so he comes in and you know he wants to he wants to try to bring them into the fold. Um and I love Corfarin. You know the Emperor's mind. Now Corfarin is just so he's just uh he, he he's like the guys in Fulgrim, the guys who are just so sure you know, they're 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 just those cocky those quintessential cocky bad guys. Like you know, they 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 just they look down on everybody. Like nobody else has a, has an opinion worth hearing. Nobody else has something worth saying. You know, you just you just you, you constantly want to boo and hiss these guys. <laughs> like I just, I don't I don't know. Yeah. He just he's he, I yeah. Corferon. Cor I mean, Erebus is like the poster boy, um, but Corferon for me actually. And the more you read, the more he's like the cancer that caused this issue. Yeah, um, really did, but yeah, that yeah, they're not supposed to be likable guys. Oh no, uh, and they're no. not written that way either. And 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 that only gets worse as we go through the heresy as well. Um, but in the end, they make their decision uh, to to bring the world into compliance through force, even though there is potential that they could do it other ways. You know, they they're, they're going to do what the emperor wants. Um, and was it 24 hours? Less than 24 hours later, more than 190 million people were dead. Over 98% of the doomed world's population. Yeah. Yep. They're, uh, they're going in. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Erebus, yeah. Me and Corferin will go talk to them. You guys are going in. He's had his decision. So they go in and... Um, yeah, they, they bombard it from space. Uh, uh, and then you know, descend onto the primary city, which to their surprise is in much better shape than they expected. You know, they're losing stormbirds on the way in. Um, luckily, old Sol Talgren, you know, leads a jump assault. Otherwise, uh, our story would have ended there. <laughs> right. But um, I love, it, I'm sorry, I, I love though Karen, that they, you know, they're still using all of this religious um, terminology and stuff for, even though they've been told that they're not supposed to, like even in the beginning, um, you know, Sortel, you know, even he knew at some point everyone's going to realize the emperor's divine. Even though they've been told not to, I think by this point, like haven't they been reprimanded by this point for this stuff? Was, it's been a, it's been a while since I read this story. A again, I was just trying to find the exact dates um, to see whether it was after Monarchia, but I think it was after Kerr. Um, after what had transpired on the world of Kerr. Um, I mean, I'm pretty certain it had to be... Okay. It, I mean, by the end of the story, I think we're pretty certain that this is after... Monarchia. Yeah. Like, it's it's already... I mean, they've already... these You know, Erebus and them have already all turned. So, to, I, I'm thinking. So, this... Well, I mean, but if... Because... Um, 
I'm just trying to read, and this is uh, we should have we should have checked this beforehand. I think this might be the time between um, him being told not to worship the emperor and trying to find someone new, right? Um, so not necessarily turned, but uh, aware, looking. Okay, but yeah, they've been told not to worship the emperor. But Saltalgren still got that in his head, where he says in the very beginning part, you know, the time will come. And there's that passage in there where the time will come where everyone will, will realize the, his divinity. Uh, and uh, here on page 164 in my book, um, you know, um, uh, the first chaplain says, Our blessed Primarch feels that given time, the inhabitants of 4716 could be taught the error of their ignorant heathen ways. They would make model imperial citizens once guided toward the light of truth by our chaplains. However, the emperor's orders are cl- orders are clear. And the Urizen is a faithful son. He cannot refuse his father's orders, though it causes him much lamentation. There's a lot of sort of like religious sort of the terminology that they continue to use, even though they've uh, been... Now, I think it might be before Monarchia, because the emperor did warn them uh, a, a couple of times. Uh, and after Monarchia, they were pretty much stuffed the emperor. Um, so I was just trying to read through as you were talking there. Because uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it would have mentioned Monarchia, but we've had we've had Lorgar looking kind of broken and unsure of himself. Oh not, yeah, maybe because they're still but, calling him the God Emperor, and they wouldn't have called him that after he told them they're not allowed no, to, would he? Because uh, they're literally calling him in that yeah. out loud. Because yeah, because in 160, Saul Talgren yeah. says, "Would not the God Emperor wish his most devoted legion to lead these blind children to enlightenment?" And, and without spoiling anything, because it happens right at the start of the first Heretic the whole legion's made to kneel on Monarchia. So they're all aware of what happens. Right, okay. Um, so yeah, it must be before Monarchia, so apologies for that. Okay, so yeah, that's, and that's, yeah, okay. But it was Whoops. still, it was like the first time they were told, you know, be good, hurry right. up, do, do what I tell you to do, I'm not a god. So they go in, yeah. But yeah. that that 98% of the planet, dead, it was just, that's brutal. And talk about just scary and awesome. Just they come up on this planet and it's like, <sighs> yeah. and the only thing left is the stuff under these domes. Yeah, we got a, a 20 kilometer dome uh, that's protecting this city, which is pretty cool. Uh, and is this uh, old tech? Is this the type of stuff that they would be searching for? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, they're not sure that there are humans using these uh, these facilities that they're not aware of, which suggests that it's um, tech from the old before you know the old night hit. Because um, I mean, it managed to protect them completely against. Yeah, uh, the bombardment. Every, everything outside this dome's dead. Yeah, uh, and Sor's jumping from high enough that he can see the curvature of the world. So that's yeah. it's a nice high jump. Yeah, it's awesome, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, he has to. <laughs> Otherwise, he would have been dead. Uh, and we get to see these uh, three great three-legged robotic constructs, which I can only think is a homage to War with the World, War of the Worlds. Oh, okay. I had a different thing. Hold on. Let me back up. I know because that that comes just a little down the page. There's one line here that grabbed me. As he's flying down on his jetpack, he says, as he's coming in, he says, before the bombardment, the city must have looked stunning. Though Sar Talgrun found such opulence deeply suspicious, beauty, he felt, was to be mistrusted. That just grabbed, like, that that stopped me for a second. That is just, just an odd interesting line like what like why like 
I think. I mean, did that grab you, or did that stop? I mean, that's a strange. Beauty is to be mistrusted. I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's in relation to uh, the current tech of the Imperium, which is all blocky. Nothing, like even in thirty k, nothing's good looking, is it? Yeah. Uh, You know, even look at the Mastodon; it's just a whacking great lump of ceramite uh, rumbling forwards. Some of the older tech was a little bit more um, kind of smooth. Maybe, maybe most of that smoothness, most of that beauty comes from alien tech. Maybe, alien yeah. Structures. Maybe we were just talking about or, that opulence. Beauty is to be mistrusted. Yeah. I thought that was a strange, just it's such a foreign concept, you know, from from now that I just thought it was interesting. It just grabbed me as a yeah, great we all, line. We all, we are also talking about you know people who are bred for war, who've only known war since they were fourteen. You know, right. Because well, effectively, yeah. they're you know, brought up as kids, so uh, we're not talking about you know not many of the legions, even even the the primarchs who talk about building stuff. It's you know it's oh yeah, I would like to build kind of these great structures, but it's not. It doesn't get talked about a lot, does it? No, um, no, that's true. So yeah, maybe it's that, but yeah, it's yeah, it's quite striking but, in the line. Yeah, but there's a difference between building things for utility and mistrusting beauty. Then that's yeah. why I just I, I loved it. It stuck out to me. Um, it's funny that you saw those three legged things as the guy things from War of the Worlds. Those really large yeah, walkers. I was picturing, and I, and I know people are going to hate me for it, but I was picturing those little shielded, three-legged, the rolly things from Episode One of Star Wars when they oh, stopped they rolling. Awesome. Yeah, droid the bots. Yeah, with the little three, yeah. with the little three. Le- Once they stopped rolling, they had the yeah. little three legs, and they had the shields. And so I was picturing those guys running out with the little laser arms instead of the little the little blasters. I uh, I got the imp- I got the impression of um you know large structures. No, they were. They could be. They could have been larger. But I was just picturing that instead. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, maybe. And these guys have AI. Yes, which you know is outlawed, banned. They, they ban the, that everywhere. Dune, The Matrix, Frankenstein. It's an easy, it's a, uh, it's an easy one to go for, isn't well, it? Yeah. Uh, Everything but iRobot. You can't have thinking robots. They it always goes bad. Look at maybe Dune. They, maybe they all read iRobot. <laughs> They were all uh, fully aware of. Uh, seriously, you know, because yeah, Dune. <laughs> but seriously, the ma- Dune. I mean, was if you. In fact, if you read his son's stuff, they read about the the whole ro- the revolution where the robots enslaved humanity. You know, I mean, yeah, and and that's what it all is, isn't it? Because you know, robotics is all slaves and all that, and it, so it, it. I suppose that it's just an uh, an analogy for having slaves that rebel. Um, uh, mm-hmm. So it's an it's an old world concept. Just the fact of having robots do it. As long as you hook is, a human brain up to it, so that you can lobotomize it and make sure fine. it won't rebel, then it's fine. Yep, yep. It's if you've got a human monstrous brain, monstrous and frightening, but fine. Yeah, it's only monstrous and frightening for the people who are put into them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and that's the limit that the the emperor draws with the mechanicum, as we've discussed. Yep. Um, but yeah, and these these things are also yeah firing lightning down at the world barrels, which yeah. is quite cool. And I love uh, that ignorance of the law is no defense. They they have AI. They're yeah. they're you know they're worshiping heathen gods, and they have AI. They have to be destroyed. Which is quite a weird one because that's a minor ignorance compared to like sacrificing people, which is a, a you know a kind of standard wrong. Um, having AI. Is not necessarily on most people's moral code of being. 
Well, when it's attacking you, I suppose that would be, you know. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But I will say they were struck first. Uh, Um, Well, yeah. Um, I like this, but now I thought this was weird. The concentrated LAS cannon fire struck again and again at the construct shields, finally overloading several of them and blasting the robotic machines apart. But the sheer weight of fire required to neutralize even a single machine was staggering. How often do we see tech... That's way better than what the Astartes have. Um, a fair amount, don't we? Um, I mean, do, I mean, I don't know. I don't read as much as you. I mean, not including yeah, the Eldar yeah. stuff and things, but when they're coming in, when it's in sort of in this thirty K stuff. I mean, because this stuff is way better Quite than often, what they have. The Interex had the technology to be able to. Uh, they had the suits, didn't they? The guns. We had the. Oh, what was the one where they unleashed the World Eaters? The Technocracy. Um, is that hap- has, has that happened so far? Yeah, that was um, when Horace when Horace re- is revived after Davin. They end up on that planet and they meet up with those people, and Horace just goes and kills them. Oh, that's right, that's unleashes. right. Yep they ha- they pretty much all had power armor for all their humans. Oh, okay, that's yep, right. Which me- which meant they were plowing out power armor. Um, we've had we had the sixty three nineteen the guys who were semi invisible. Okay. Um, yeah, and this is all of its old tech. So we actually come across it quite a lot. It's in it's sporadic. It's it's normally kind of like they've got this one thing which is um better or different. Uh in this case they've got this this AI uh, and these these shields, the weaponry that, that can deal real damage. But I think you you've almost got to do that a lot of the time, otherwise the space marines are just gonna be better than humans. Yeah. You know, it's just—it's just—it's just, kind of scary when it shows up, though, because you read all these books where the space marines just come in and it's like they just stomp on everything, and it's like—I mean, dude, they—they, they, you said twenty-four hours later they weighed, laid waste to ninety percent of the planet. Yeah, and then I mean, you see that this was tech, and it's like a lot well, of that was from space. To right. Be fair. Well, yeah, but still, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I mean, this this city uh, as we go through, it, there is a lot of shooting, a lot of running around. Um, but yeah, they've got these these massive shields that defend their things that are powered by these spires. Uh, you know, and Sol Talgron has the idea that if he brings those spires down, it might bring the shields down. Yeah, that's something that we don't see. Um, it's it's hard to kind of. I, I think it's I think it's hard to to actually threaten Space Marines with much that isn't Space Marines. Yeah. That's, so you oh, have yeah. to provide this this tech. Um, yeah. Then you get. Yeah. Uh, I like that uh, he feels pity for them, and he actually feels a little resentment that the emperor didn't let them try and convert them. Yeah, and 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 there we go. That that's again. That's kind of the the whole uh, feel of this book is, you know, should we be killing everyone by this point? Yeah, they conquered most of the galaxy by now. Do they really need to be killing everyone else? Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, we have, what do we have here? We have, we have it's a lot of battle points. They've got a land speeder squadron clearing the path moving forward. Right. Uh, I like the fact it's noted they are fairly new from the Forges of March. Right. Um, here's a bit of information for you the land raider and the land speeders and all that uh, are actually named after a guy called Land. It has nothing to do with the fact they work on land. Oh, 
the STC yeah. was rediscovered by someone. I can't remember his first name now, but it was Land. So yeah, that's a little one for that's you. That's funny. That is kind of funny. It's, yeah, it's quite good. Yeah, um, and he discovered a load of different stuff. So we got the yeah, he discovered the Land Raider and crawler STC patterns and the anti grav tech that was used in the Land Speeders. I uh, thought it was interesting that uh, he found out that the shields would stop a bolt gun. But in hand-to-hand combat, it didn't work as well. Or if you fired a shot right at point blank, uh, which I'm assuming is before the bullet could get up to velocity. Yeah, um, I, it seems like it's a kinetic thing. Or Well, it, and it, once again, and I hate to keep drawing other references, it reminded me of the slow shields from Dune. Right, yeah. They can stop yeah. a lot of that stuff, but in close combat, they weren't as good. But they can stop bullets and, and things fired from at high yeah. velocity. But they don't. Once again, in the close combat, you know that those types of things uh, they they weren't they weren't as welcome. Yeah, and, and another I thing mean, to as, remember: as effective, about, not as welcome. Yeah, it <laughs> makes no sense. Uh, <laughs> another thing to to think about is uh, civilizations' uh, defenses are always based on the weaponry that that civilization has or comes into contact with. Right. So the weaponry gets better, and then. After a while, the defenses get better, which means the weaponry improves. So, the particularly the defenses of a of a civilization are based on the weapons that are used against it or by it. So, yeah, it makes sense that you know it may be there to stop all the lightning that their own AI, you know, smashes in. Oh, it makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. They can overwhelm it and get through, can't they? But these these robots can still threatening close quarters with their energy shots and how tall is a dreadnought uh, uh yeah, i can't remember about 12 foot i would have thought is it about okay so that's about how tall bigger, these, uh, these things are bigger maybe well that's bigger than i thought those things are big yeah i'm just trying to picture it in my head next to a space marine oh, maybe bigger true. than that actually because double the size of a space marine for the like contemptors and stuff so that's 16 foot. Okay, so that's about mm-hmm. how big... Yeah, so those things are pretty big, those three-legged yeah. things. They're a lot bigger than I was picturing them. Okay. <laughs> um, you had the right You had the right image in your head. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I mean, who knows? At the end of the day, it's a pretty generic kind of thing. Three legs is... You know, could be done a different ways, I suppppose. Um, yeah, and, the, and then the weapons seemed... Again, the weapons seem to be quite good against the... Um, against the space marines because you need to be able to threaten the space marines uh, but eventually they you know they pummel fire into these into the dome and and this they finally get the confirmation these spires are, are sparking out to kind of refuel uh, um refuel the the shield um, yeah dude orbital bombardment titan assault the titans yeah. are standing in front of it shooting it the shield's like yeah nope and then two Shots. I was just about to say, yeah, two two strikes are able to strip a warlord of its shields and destroy it. Yeah, one shot takes out the shield. The second shot takes out a warlord titan. I was like, damn! I would, oh, that was crazy. Yeah. So the the as we get closer, the bigger guns are coming out basically, and these are titan destroying weapons. Which you know, yeah, that is pretty big because a warlord's no mean feat, <laughs> no mean feat at all. Um, you know what you start seeing there is they've got these large towers with these these lightning cannons on it, but also near the dome on the inside they've got these little mini towers. Yeah, which instead of they're building up power, but instead of shooting lightning at the enemy, 
they're shooting lightning up at the dome. So these are yeah. like the re, they're like recharging the dome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and um, and they yeah, they all seem to work together. But they they finally get in and, and strap a load of melter bombs to the base of one of these spires and blow it up. They get which like creates, force fires at the same time, which all yeah. fall down and basically creates a, creates yeah. a, a, a gap, a, a temporary breach, um, which Saltagron and the uh, you know a handful of warriors can skip through and. Yeah, in the end, the other spies take up the stat, but they're in now. They're absolutely in. Uh, and we get a, a look at the city. And it's um, just Sword Telgren and his group. His his yeah. guy his guy thought up the plan. They yeah, go absolutely. flying through. They've only got seconds. They're the only ones near it. Oh, so yeah, it's, it's very snapshot very behind them. So, of course, so they're alone inside, just their yeah. crew. You know, they've got to they've make it happen. The other teams help them get the door open. But it's shut right behind them, so now they've got to get it done. Very, you know, and I don't have a problem with that. I'm saying, you know, you got your typical action movie, your typical. Yeah. You, know, you know, there's, there's only there's only so many ways these stories can go, I suppose. <laughs> yep. And that's the way this one's gone. Uh, but once they're in, they suddenly get to see the city for the proper time. We've got this stunning city of gra- glass and crystal, um, dominated by this huge statue of a lightning god holding a thunderbolt right in the st- center of the city. Um, so they're obviously going to head there. I mean, that's your first kind of inkling that, you know, we may get a slight twist in the tail. Um, but, I mean, it makes sense that their their weapons are, are all lightning-based now. We have this this god they're worshipping who, who's holding, holding a giant stone. lightning bolt, yeah. yeah. And I yeah. love Arshak. Uh, yeah, Arshak. These, it's true. These people are heathen idolaters. And then Saltar and Lorgar give me strength. They're all just, like, sick to their stomach bunch of heathen idolaters. I kind of laughed at that. I'm like, okay, listen, guys, you know, y'all worship the emperor. Um, <laughs> and and, he's, and he's, he's, he's said he's not a god. So, you know, hello, pot. This is the kettle. You're black. So. Yeah, but, you know, they don't believe any other god exists. Right. Uh, <laughs> and then I love that one part. So what's the plan? We go there and we kill everything we fly, everything. find. Yeah. Now that's an Astartes plan right there. What's the yeah. plan? We go there, like, we kill everything. Same thing we do every night, Pinky. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I loved you know, it. That yeah. is what they do. Uh, is their reason for living. So it's 10 kilometers um, through only seeing the isolated robots and, and all that. Uh, avoiding a few as well, so yeah, they're not they're not rushing headlong in here. But they don't. Um, they also don't seem to pay any attention or notice them. They see these things moving by, and those things yeah. are just moving out. They're not paying any attention to these Astartes. No, absolutely. It seems like they've slipped in under the the watchful eye, uh, and they eventually get to the the structure under the statue, and we see the the population taking cover underneath their god, uh, you know, maybe as a form of protection. Yeah, um, I like the description of this place, though. It's, I mean, it's gorgeous. It's really well described. Hold on, can do you mind? No, crack on. The lofty expanse was filled with shimmering light that descended from above like an ethereal waterfall falling in slow motion. A strange lilting sound accompanied this fey light, something akin to the sound of glass chimes overlaid with the hum of energy. Hundreds of arcing balconies and gantries ringed this central shaft, and walkways crisscrossed the expanse. So focused on these disturbing wonders was Sor Talgren that he barely registered the panes of glass silently sealing the portal behind them. 
So they're kind of walking through and they're looking at just this beautiful glass with all of these things built and 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 going up around them. I was thinking like Slanesh, something totally heathen and evil at this point because it was just too beautiful with the with the water <laughs> falling down and the tinkling music. And I was just, you know what I'm saying? I, I'm like, yeah. oh, it's too perfect. It's so that. Yeah. It's it's. Yeah, and what it probably is is just a world that's not dedicated to war. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and that—that that is probably it. Um, and but we're so used to. But they've got everything. these amazing war machines, though. So I didn't yeah, think I mean, that. Yeah, but you know they'll defend themselves, but right. they're not dedicated to war like you know, like the Imperium is. Right. You know, this, the Imperium is all about just building this war machine at the moment. Yeah, um, because the Imperium has some. You know, uh, Terra has some amazing structures and things like that. Uh, but yeah, they haven't been built recently. Um, yeah, but, but we get then, to the center. There's, there's. Oh, sorry, Karen. No, yeah, you, like you said, get to the center, and the floor sinks away. But the floor sinks down. Yeah, tears, and, hundreds of them going down, down, and it's like, oh, it's this, just this, this whole spiral of this downward spiral of worshippers. Yeah, forty thousand in here, yeah, all, all, on their knees, um, and it's here that saw Talgren makes the decision to talk so you know he was always kind of hoping to find that way and maybe this is his kind of like well i'm here now we'll give it a go uh and and steps forwards excuse me yeah and he he meets the old man you okay yep karen yep uh, yeah he meets the old man who's the high priest and he's like why are you attacking us and he's like you shut up why you know you know you're gonna you're gonna shut down your shields and he's like uh, no, seriously, why are you attacking us? And he's like, I said, yeah. shut down the shields and surrender. And he's like, um, what? And he he basically says, I'll do that, but take a look at this. And he shows him. He shows him this book, this, uh, this uh, a book of phenomenal artistry. Yeah. Uh, of which he, he contains words he recognizes. Uh, and in faith shall the universe be united, um, united behind the God Emperor of all kind. Uh, and it's essentially the Lectitio Divin- Divinitatis, the Book of Logos. Right, and that was the um, part I read in the beginning. And it was like, uh, yeah. Yeah, surrounded by a gold, the man surrounded by the whole golden halo, the God Emperor of mankind. And he's like, <gasps> wait, what? And that's who that was, the guy holding the thunderbolts, the guy with the lightning uh, etched into yeah. his armor. That's... That's who they yeah. saw, and that's who they've been worshiping. He's like, they worship the emperor. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the old man reveals they were waiting for someone to come to join back into the Imperium of Man. <laughs> to, to Not only have they gone and had this issue with, you know, with, with humans that worship the emperor, but these guys were literally just waiting for them to turn up. Yeah. But they decided not to do what they would have done yeah, this would have been the quickest compliance in the history of compliances. It would have taken like half an hour. Oh, you worship the emperor. Saw it. Brilliant. You're in. And that would have been it. Exactly. Um, Long as we yeah. thought ourselves alone in the darkness. And he's like, oh, no, no, we can do this. And uh, he says, just lower the shield so I can talk to them. And they lower the shields and he yeah. calls up there and they say, okay. And the bombardment stops. And you hear the, the, the teleporters coming in. And a yeah. uh, hundred teleporters, a hundred Terminators teleporting alongside the Urizen. And he says something to him, uh, a little dramatic brother. And he says, and uh, Corferin, 
sort of gives him, you know, he, he waves at Corfarin and Corfarin gives him a little nod. Once again, Corfarin just can't be nice. And whatever, it's Corfarin. And then <laughs> who else shows up? Oh, Erebus. Erebus and the man himself, Lorgar, shows up. Yeah. And he's painted gold? Like his Lorgar. No, his Lorgar? skin is his skin has a golden hue to it. Oh, okay. That's what, what Arizon means. I think the golden one. Oh, because it says every inch of his exposed flesh was caked in gold yeah. leaf. So I. Oh that, yeah, no, maybe he maybe he enhanced it. I'm trying to remember that. that but yeah, yeah. I keep um, picturing that guy, and I know it's I, I and it's it's a terrible reference, and I just and I don't want to have it. Because I kind of want to like Lorgar because I feel bad for him at times and he's kind of cool. But I know he's got all this writing on him and he paints himself in gold leaf. And I keep picturing what's his name? The 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 guy from three hundred who's not Yeah, I can't remember. Gerard Butler, but the guy who just wants to be worshipped, the invading emperor. I'm just like, no, not that guy. Um I love when they uh, the descriptions of him are great. Anthony Reynolds does a fantastic job describing Lorgar. Once again, trying to describe the Primarchs, trying to describe the undescribable. You know the depth of pain and and intensity in his eyes. You know these 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 sort of you know um, the the this inhuman traits in a in a in a uh, uh, in a human form. Sure, uh, I, I I really enjoy it. Yeah, um, yeah. No, he does. He does a really good job. Uh, where I would say there is a little bit of confusion. We talked about um, when this was set, and actually now I'm beginning to agree with you. It's after Monarchia because of what's written now, which I forgot about. I do apologise, listeners. Uh, but it wasn't clear early on, um, and it, the way some of the word bearers react, having just redone bits of first heret- uh, the first heretic made me think really they would react like that after Monarchia um, but yeah it's pointed out to law guys like look they've got the Lictitio Divinitatis they've got your work uh, and his response is uh, <laughs> that's nothing yeah that's like, what I thought Whoa. it was after that because yeah. he because he actually says to him I'm writing a new book yeah so this a, after he's done gone through that whole travel and uh, you know, thing as I thought. Yeah, no, you were right. It's, uh, apologies for that. That's it's. It was uh, you know, reading too many books at the moment, but also, exactly. um, also, there was certainly. And I'm trying not to spoil because I'm not certain what yeah. comes when. I'm not. I'm trying not to throw spoilers. And this, no, these little short stories are way out of time. Yeah, order. and bearing in mind what happens on Monarchia, that reaction, the fact that all the word bearers kind of know about it. Um, yeah, maybe I put too much into that but uh yeah this is definitely after that so yeah his his response is that i've i've been working on something else since then and it and it blows you know the lictitio divinitatis is old stuff well and, uh, it's, and this new one blows it out of the water it's interesting that he says um that they've you know that, that somehow they they've they've seen the that they've got some weird thing i love how when the old man sees lorgar He's terrified, and he's shaking his head and moaning wordlessly because if they've seen the emperor and they've seen the divinitatis and they know things that they couldn't possibly know, 
they might also know exactly what's up with Lorgar as well. Well, or this guy might. You never yeah. know. Yeah, it I might, mean, if yeah, he can might, see things, he might sense something. Exactly. But then, uh, yeah, yeah, you you might be right. Well, um, he, well here, I, let I me explain. Let me explain my thoughts because there's only like six more pages of the story, and I'll explain why I'm thinking that when we get to the very end of the story. Because I have a couple, having read it now the second time, and we're talking about it now, I have a couple of thoughts about uh, about this and the whole plan and the bombardment and everything in here. Um, hold on. I believe they've been picking up our signals, my lord. I saw a copy of, and then that's when that's when he looks at him. A mm. copy of what? You know, and he's like, they've been picking up signals, and that's when he looks at him. He's like, wait, they've been doing what? And that's what I thought that Lorgar's like, wait, what's like he's he want what exactly do these guys know? Sure. Because stuff's going down that they should not know about. And that's what I think he that's why I thought when he looked at him and he was I mean, yes, humans look at them and they're scared, but this guy is like, Oh no, 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 no. It was Lorgar. He wasn't frightened of the space marines, he wasn't frightened of Erebus, he wasn't didn't look frightened when a hundred Terminators popped up around him. Um, but then this is happening here and they're leading him away. And he talks about this. And yeah, like you said, Lorgar's like, Psh, the Divinitatis is nothing. Which, for him, you know, as you yeah. pointed out, uh, for him to say that, even, it's like, oh, what? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe he looks at him as like uh, maybe an angel of judgment. Possibly. It could be something in that. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it could be this could be the period of time where Lorgar is moving pieces so it might be a case of you're you're right on that account where Lorgar's like what did they hear because he's starting to seed things but mm-hmm. um yeah I, i'm not 100 sure well, i love when <laughs> um, corferon yeah. opens his big dumb mouth here oh we gotta love him erebus is allowed to speak when he feels like it Corferon's not because you know Erebus speaks up and tells Sal, Sar, you've done okay, and Lorgar doesn't mind. But he sits there, you know. Are we going to condemn these people for merely being cut off from te- from Terra? And there's just silence. Ignorance is no excuse for blasphemy, brother. And Lorgar glares at him, who backed away, dropping his gaze and visibly paling. I, uh, you know, I love when your skin tone changes. You're so damn scared. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, uh, first bit of uh, uh, the first heretic, you do get a bit of insight into um, a reaction from Lorgar to some of the stuff that Cor Farron's been up to. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, there is possibly an explanation for that in that itself. Even though that hadn't been read, uh, written yet, there were certainly meetings about discussing these sort of things, so it might have been that um, Right, yeah, especially no, if you're writing this quite... and you have to know when it's happening, when this story's <laughs> occurring. Um, Absolutely. Um, yeah. And... Then he basically nods while he's holding Sar there and he stabs the old man. And while the old man's blood is coming out of his neck all over Erebus's armor, Erebus dabs his fingers in the blood and draws the eight-pointed star on the old man's forehead. Yeah. With, yeah, they are well invested. Yeah, so I, I forgot this. I do apologize. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will probably be with uh, his anathame dagger as well, which, you know, has a power of itself. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah. That's, that's and what it's the, like, the do term- you trust me? Yeah, the Terminator's just open up. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it's not going to last long then. Yeah, do you trust me, Soul Targon? Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, the Emperor, in his wisdom, has driven us to this point. This is his will. This is his mercy. The blood of these innocents is on his hands. And I love how wisdom is in italics. The Emperor, in his wisdom, it's just like yeah. that, that anger, that sort of that venom, yeah. that spite in his voice is great there. And he's killing them. I need to know who I can trust. And he's looking at him. And then Sor Talgrun is afraid. And it actually says a, a fear that space marines should not be able to feel. And that's when he's like, yes, I feel it. And he looks at him. Would you go Would you go into hell if I asked you to? And he didn't answer. And he nods his head. And, they yeah. get, and, and Lorgar gives him a look like, that's not good enough. And he's like, no, really, <laughs> please don't kill me. I would go with you. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. Um, and this is, you know, the the events that that ultimately lead Lorgard down the path he led happens, you know, forty odd years before the heresy starts. Right. Uh, so by the time we get to Isfan Five, the word bearers are cleansed of almost all their loyal, all their right. emperor loving children, more than any other legion, to the point where in thirty k. If you're playing the, in the bought in the game, if you're playing word bearers and you're using the word bearers special rules, you can't play as loyalists. It's the only chap, the only legion where you can't have loyalists. Oh wow! Because they because they had so much time to purge their numbers, and they and and they could do it quite subtly. So this is yeah after the events of all of that, yeah exactly what they got up to. And then you get to that last bit, and I love it as the, as as forty thousand of the last people on this planet are being slaughtered. He goes, you, you know, you asked me about my great work. I'm thinking of calling it the Book of Lorgar. For now, I'm calling it the Book of Lorgar. And then he looks over and he kind of smiles. He goes, ah, oh, hubris, I know. I'd like you to read it. And he looks at him and he goes, uh, and he says, what do you remember of the old beliefs of Colchis, Sortalgren? Um, and that's how this book ends. What do you remember the old beliefs? Um, is that something I should... Be, is, it's something you'll be made well aware of in the first heretic. Okay, and I haven't read the first heretic in yeah. a long time, it, so it will okay. completely explain that story. Uh, okay, so I should I should understand that later. But okay, so I should have understood it. So that's the story. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. Even with me butchering the timeline, no, it's okay. Um, we made some mistakes. <laughs> hey, mistakes were made. It's okay. Um, yeah, no, I like it. it again, it's. Um, it's an, it is another look into what is the Great Crusade? What is it hoping to achieve? Because Sel Targren is not aware of exactly what's gone on with the Legion uh, by this point. So, yeah, he, he, he's trusting in what's going on. Um, and we get to see, you know, the, the very first kind of acts of the heresy, really. Yep. Um, which is cool. So this is set, this is set sometime after... Uh, the events of the middle part of the first heretic. Absolutely. And that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on rereading this and, and kind of going over and talking about it, they, I'm wondering if they knew who they were worshiping. It almost, you know what I'm saying? The people on the planet. No, I'm wondering if, Erebus and them knew who they were worshipping. Yeah, by this point, yes. I mean, or, or, yeah, when they started this attack, like when they went down there and said they were these heathen, you know, because yeah. they yeah, went so, down there 
because uh, they obviously they go down to the planet and they say, "Hey, we're here to free you." They would send someone like Erebus or Corfair and would go down there first. And obviously, if they would show up and say, "We've come to bring the light of the Imperial Truth," to you or whatever the heck that is, when they come, I mean, isn't that what they do? They land first and they say that they uh, want. I mean, don't they come? Um, and- it, it's it's a slightly different story. Um, this is after the censure of of the Legion and. What I can say, I suppose, is uh, they were told to get on with it. You're way slower than everyone else. I don't want excuses. I want compliances. Uh, and there was a period of time where the word bearers went, oh, you want compliances? I'll give you compliances. And just did it the quickest way they could, which right, is to I, kill people. Oh, so, I, I, was, um, I was guessing so, that they would at least have gone down there. And I'm wondering if they went down no, and saw that these they, were the emperor's the faithful problem, and just the, were like wipe the them out. The problem you've got with that idea is if they go down and these people are not the emperors and they turn them to support them, then that's however many hundreds of millions of people where one of them could accidentally talk. Because this world has to end up in compliance, which means it has to become part of the Imperium. Because if it doesn't, the emperor's like, well, why did you leave that world? So to have that world compliant means putting people on it that will... Uh, feedback to the Imperium, and we're getting to the point of having tithes and everything else as well. But didn't uh, they just wipe it out completely? I thought they killed everyone on the planet except yeah, these few yeah, people. But, but, but that's what I'm saying. If they didn't, they would have to put people onto that planet, and then all of us uh, Imperial people who follow the Imperium, because they have to talk to the rest of the Empire. Oh, so okay. once, you, once you do that, you've got however many hundreds of millions of people who can, who, one of them at some point will say, oh yeah, we don't really support the Emperor. And then it's like, well, why does this keep happening, Lorgar? So he has to kill the planet and then they can put Imperial people on there and he doesn't have to worry about his secret coming out. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, so, like I said, I, yeah, I was thinking more along the lines of they came down, they saw that these people worship the Emperor, he's already against them, so it, it just behooves him instead I'm of... Pre- just, I'm pretty sure it, it didn't matter whether they uh, followed the emperor or followed, you know, Bastet. Um, it was a case of because the two things are happening: one, they can't be found out, and two, they need to conquer the worlds as quickly as possible. Therefore, the easiest way to approach any planet is just kill them all, drop, you know, drop off some people to look after it, send the word back to Terra, move on. Okay. That way, well, that guess- way, they they look part of the Imperium and they don't give themselves mm-hmm. away. Okay, because yeah, I just thought that they came down there and said, you know, if they follow, I mean, if they went down there and they wanted to join the Imperium, would they still wipe them out at this point? Is that what they yes. were doing? Oh, okay. Uh, so, I would have, I would have thought so. Just because they don't need to give any more help to the Emperor. Yeah, potentially. Okay. Yeah, I see that. Of, I guess I was, yeah. I was thinking they, I was thinking that most places that wanted to join the Imperium, they would still, because if you're wiping out every single planet you come up to then that would be suspicious as well. So uh, planets that wanted to be compliant. I don't know if it will. I think we've seen plenty of planets who didn't want to join. Okay. Um, they were using AI anyway, so then it becomes, well, you're heathens anyway. Uh, and it's easy enough. You know, the victor tells the tale, doesn't he, at the end of the day? That's true. So they can make up any story they I want. guess I was picturing them just that planets were that were non, that didn't look, to be compliant, we're getting wiped out, and planets that were looking compliant that would that would comply quickly were being flipped quickly. Uh, but at, at this point, they'd already turned bad. So, you know, 
Lorgar so is wiping things out. Okay. Lorgar is very much the petulant child who's just been told to go to his room. So he's looking for every loophole he can. Like he'll be in his room with his head out the window, you know, talking to his mate or whatever. Yeah, and he's, he's stomping the he's stomping yeah, up he's every stomping stair. Upstairs. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, and he's like, "Oh, I need to go and get my washing out. You told me to do that earlier. Do you want me to do that or go to my room?" Ex- okay. You know? I got yeah, you. So he's also acting a bit like that. Um and again you see that a little bit more. Um and he's always he's also got Erebus and Corfaron whispering in his ear the whole time. Um yeah. Okay. That that that's what I was not certain about. So, okay. I was thinking it was a little more devious than that. I thought they were actually bringing some planets well, into compliance, and when they saw one that was so for the emperor, they were just like, oh, "Let's well, just this, wipe it out." This one they didn't really give the opportunity to talk much to, do they? No, I guess not. So, yeah, and that's 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 my view. I'm guessing. There's mm. me looking for something more sinister. All right. Well, that's uh, that's our first story. Let's take a quick break. Um, grab a gra- you can grab some tea. I'll, gra- I'll get a glass of water. And uh, <laughs> I'm a I'm a I'm an Anglophile. Anglophile. That's all. I just assumed you would have some tea. And plus, it's getting late. You don't want to have anything heavy. It's late by you. It's after. It's eight thirty. You're gonna you're gonna ruin your nap time. You're gonna ruin bedtime. Let's, let's go to that break. <laughs> Hey, Grant, what you doing? Oh, not much. Just building some models and listening to Garage Hammer. Garage Hammer? I love that show. It's awesome. I know. And welcome back. Uh, we're going to dive into uh, it's James Swallow's The Voice. This was an interesting story. I wasn't certain where this one was going either when I first started reading it, and uh, it's it's kind of this one's kind of creepy. Actually, it kind of it made me a little sad. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a bit different. It's cool. Um, yeah, and doesn't end with a story, which is quite nice as well. Yeah, that's a long way down the line for everything that goes on. But it's cool. Yeah, so it starts off with this, um, you know, in silence, only truth remains. And then you get these these sort of questions, you know, where is it truly silent? And, uh, you know, this person is, you know, this is the question all novices are asked. They would point out into space, into the stars. You get sort of this intro of who this person is. Uh, even darkness has a sound if one has ears with which to hear it, which I liked. I like that even darkness itself has a sound if you can yeah. listen. Um, and then you get uh, uh, Leilani uh, Molotas mouth the words here it is here within me and she touched her chest with both hands palms flattened blades of fingers extended thumbs crossed in the shape of the aquila aquila sorry so that's (laughs) uh you know so she's got aquila was that a freudian slip it's fine so so you know there she is making uh the sign on her chest um and her mentors watching her and, you know, uh, she's got a top knot. I'm like, all right, I like top knots. I'm going with that. Um, you know, and you're watching this this going on. I'm like, what is going on here? 
And there's this, yeah. the Sisters of Silence? Is that what they call them? Yeah, the Sisters of Silence. Uh, so the important thing here is, first off, it's nice to see a novice uh, mm-hmm. as a rank because we deal so often with captains and whatever. But also the fact, um, the fact that the Sisters of Silence don't talk it means this, the the novice offers us a voice which isn't just the battle can't uh, you know the 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 the, the fingers uh, working to t- talk to each other so it offers us a another view of it which is yeah. quite nice. There's a lot of sign language going on yeah. in here with, with and, um, basically the uh, uh, a Tyndall instead of quotes for so you know it's battle sign instead of yeah absolutely speaking uh, and, and Amandera Kendall has the most badass rank ever. She is an oblivion knight. An oblivion knight, yes. Yeah, yeah. These these women do not muck around. No. Um, and I thought it was interesting. Um, they asked this question that she's being, and um, you know, she goes, "What we witnessed in the Somnus Citadel, that creature brought back from Istron aboard the star- starship Eisenstein, and suddenly it clicked who these people were." And I'm like. These were the people when, yeah, when the Eisenstein finally got. Oh, you know, yeah. Um, even from the start of flight uh, with the story attacking the aliens, we had Kendall attacking them to get the alien, uh, the, the creatures, the test creatures that they brought back. Oh, that's right. right. At the start of the Eisenstein. And then, yeah. And then the fortress on, um, on wherever it was. Can't remember the name of the planet now. Uh, yeah. Has been, um, it's on Luna, isn't it? Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah. 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 Uh, they were brought back to there, and that's where... Because he got to the moon, and he wasn't going to be allowed to get any yes. closer, and he was mad. And it was... Uh, Decius was uh, turned into the Lord of the Flies. Uh, yeah. And they they helped fight. Yeah. And, yes. she, and she can't... And she's having trouble, because that... Everything she saw has messed her up. She can't find her silence um, with this stuff rolling around inside her skull. Which is, I think is just great. It's really, it's, you know, it, all this talk of traitors and heresy and Horus. And it's just, it, she can't. I, I love that you're getting this point of view of, of, of someone outside of the Astartes who knows what's going on, basically. Or knows at least a part of what's going on. And they can't wrap their head around it. Um, and it's not like just the, the normal Imperium, like the normal Joes like you or me. I could just picture what the normal Joes like you and me must, th- you know, the stories of Horus out there conquering the galaxy, you know, with, with the legions of the Astartes as the war master. I mean, I can't even imagine, like, he must be like a myth or a legend, you know, the guy who's it, out it, there. Um, it is, yeah. Um, even in 30K, you know, there are the vast majority of humans never see a space marine. Right, so but they know them, they exist. They, they know they exist, but it, but because they don't see them, they do become these myths. So you're on some planets where they're like, oh, does it really matter if we, if we vouch for Horus? Nothing will change here. We'll just keep supplying food the way we've done forever. Um, yeah, and they become these myths. Right. As I'm it just, were. I'm just picturing those like posters, uh, yeah. you know? Yeah. You know, posters with the giant space marines on them with little pictures of the ships flying in the background and stuff. Like all that odd, st- and um, it, it, but she is a part of it, but she's not, you know, an Astartes. No, and she's it's, yeah, it, it's it's a nice way to show us that um, like no one's immune for starters. You know, she's so the sisters of silence are all psychic blanks, uh, 
so you know, they have some form of defense already against this kind of thing but it, that's not acting you know that's not being completely saving her um and also it actually shows us that the heresy the mere act of the heresy throws everything into doubt you know and there's dissension around the imperium and all of a sudden right. things aren't working properly and yeah it just creates this great atmosphere that oh yeah actually away from superhuman man fighting fighting superhuman man it's got all these other effects across the whole galaxy yeah, and then there's a part where she goes, um, it's robbed me of my focus. I think of good men, of the noble Astartes we've often fought alongside, and then to to conscience such monstrous deceit among their ranks. The Astartes and the Primarchs are, are line kindred of the emperor of mankind himself, and if their rank was such division, then what if such horror reaches our ranks? And and she tells her how she once met the war master, and that if 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 this, if this type of stuff is true, then there's going to be a war beyond anything that you could imagine to 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 bring this to to bring you know between the, that the war going that's going to happen is like nothing you can you can even fathom. Yeah. Um, and and she just like why would why would why would Emp- why would Horace even want to do like why would you even want to do something like that? Like with yeah. everything we've achieved, like this makes no, it just, it makes no sense to her. It's like, this is just something that doesn't compute at all. No, it, it makes no sense to yeah, the vast majority of people in these stories. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's, it's great to see that vocalized again from a slightly different uh, viewpoint. But then you get this one interesting part here that I really like. And I don't know if, I, I don't know which book you're using. I'm on the soft cover. I'm on page 218. And she goes, even as the news of the of of Horus is coming, there's also this news coming in about this weird growing cult that's worshiping the emperor. And I like it. This so-called Lactitio Lactitio I can never say it. Lactitio divinitatis. Lactitio divinitatis. Lactitio. That's the part I can never say. The Lactitio. <laughs> that's why I just call it the divinitatis. Um, <laughs> The so-called Lactitio Divinitatis was raising its head in the strangest of places. If anything, the novice found the question of this school of thought almost as hard to swallow as the concept of Horace's perfidy. Uh, perfidy. And I love this. It's like I, I just love it that I, you know, we all sit there and it's like the people who follow the Divinitatis were always like, oh, okay, we get that. I okay, okay, those people are okay. But that's not how these people were raised. Everyone in this, you know, that's not how people are raised. And I like in this particular story that you get a character who sits there and goes, I can't believe Horace would do that. That's insane. But then on the same, the very next page, he's like, and what's with these Divinitatis people? They're insane too. Yeah. Like, what's wrong with them? I don't get that either. And you get it all in the same character. So, and... To get an, a, a person removed from all of it, thinking that both sides are insane, makes me think back to that first trilogy where you literally had in those boats, you know, Horace weeding out these people and the few mm-hmm. people who were stopping them were the people who were completely, I mean, basically were the cult of the Divinitatis. And it's like, wow, it's just insane people versus insane people. Yeah, as, as, you know, it's God's madmen fighting against. Yeah, you know, I, mean, I like I like the fact that she can she can sort of understand 
the people who worship the emperor because after all he's almost uh, as powerful as a deity and they might not be quite as intelligent as the rest of the people who are there um you, you, you know yeah, you they're, can, they're not you, sophisticated you can you can understand how they get to that point but the horus one is just no right yeah but yeah. The, it, yeah it's, and it's, yeah, it's, it's less it's, insane the divinitatis yes. stuff is less insane but still you got to be a real backwoods bumpkin to yeah. to 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 fall for that it's just like oh man and then we and then we get to this whole job with the the sort of the plot to get the picked slate and she's looking at it and uh one of these uh the black ships is yeah. missing now the black ships go around from planet to planet picking up the psychers psychers Un- unsanctioned psychers yeah Un- okay uh, and- and holding them and taking them back to Terra to be, you know, either sanctioned or disposed of. Now, explain this to me, because I, I had a question here as I was reading this. Um, all that could be certain, the worlds of the Imperium would witness one of them appear in their skies at a preordained time of tithing, ready to accept their cargo. Now, a tithing means that you give 10%. Does that mean that you give well, 10%? A, a, a percentage. Okay. Doesn't, well, I mean, It doesn't have to be. Yeah, in... In um in the in the church in the Christian church is ten percent. A tithe is just a payment. Well, in, I, I think in, the root in, of the word this, with the tithe literally meant yeah. ten. So I mean that's but, what I was just in, coming from. But yeah. in 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 this world, a tithe is a payment of something, and and, okay. and that uh, and we see that tithing can be uh, food, money, um, so uh, troops. Basically, whatever. let's say let's say they show up here on Earth, and I'm I yep. know I know just whatever they show yep. up here. The black ship shows up. Do they get all the psychers? I mean, is that how that works? Or they, I they, mean, um, that's what I'm. That's the part that I don't get. And I'm just. I mean, do you understand how this works? Uh, and and is this if they're unsanctioned? I mean, they they test them, and the ones that they could use, they use, and the ones they don't, they go and they feed them to the emperor. Is that how this is working? Or is there's that? Well, that's not, that's forty k. Oh, the, oh, forty k uh, in there. The okay, yeah. It's, oh, it's, uh, wait, the, it's after. Oh, that's right. It's after yeah. Horus's battle. Okay, so that's that's fueling the the um, the golden uh, throne, the throne later. Okay, but, yeah. Essentially, what you'll have uh, roughly because it's not really outlined. There's no strict rules about it. But if someone's deemed to be a psyker. They'll be kept, locked up, dealt with, whatever. If there happens to be the black ships around, then it'll be like, this bloke's a psyker. Uh, and these women, you know, they're all psychic blanks, as we said. There'll be reactions. They'll have ways of testing these psychers because there are stories in 40K written about um, psychers, about black ships. And, you know, uh, there some areas of a black ship will be higher security than others and things like that. So there are levels of psychers. Um, okay read faith and fire i think is a sisters of battle one that deals with i think i could be wrong anyway um so yeah there are different levels and i'm I'm pretty sure much like the witch hunts there are people who are claimed to be psychers who aren't psychers you know and they'll probably be just you know thrown back in to the populace but they'll they'll take the psychers because um psychers dangerous psychers are potentially as we know uh, a channel for the warp so Uh, one of the big problems with humanity as it's grown is the number of psychers has grown a lot, uh, the higher percentage of population. So this is one of the aspects which which can threaten the imperial truth because psychers might summon something and all of a sudden people ask questions. 
just the general safety of accidentally summoning something and then also the power they can generate by having a slight uh, uh, greater knowledge of what's going on so there's, there's many ways psychers can threaten but there's also ways they can be useful um in terms of battle psychers uh, and, and being used as uh, astropaths um uh, not astropaths uh the other ones, but yeah, um, no, yeah, no, astropaths. Yeah, I was thinking of navigators, but navigators are their own houses. There, right. That's a, an inbred line, really, of sanctioned psychers. Um, so yeah, there's 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 ways they can be used, and there's also things that they definitely don't want them doing. Being a psyker is not really good, is it? Uh, For the most no, part. I mean, I mean, your life is usually pretty horrible, especially well, those astropaths and those navigators. If, theirs just seem so sensitive. Like you got to lock them up in a protective bubble it seems like it seems like their minds are always being assailed by now i mean every time you when, read about it it's like well that the, the, they they're the only ones uh navigators the only ones who can guide through the warp so yeah they have to be open to the warp as you are traveling through the warp so yes they are um spending a lot of time exposed to that however you know with that becomes great uh res- great rewards uh they you know that Navigator houses are extremely powerful, uh, extremely rich. can can do a lot of things they want to do, um, and if yeah, if you've got an ability that's extremely useful in the Imperium, then yeah, you can you can get away with a lot of things with it. If you're just a dude who can cast a few psychic bolts and is deemed to be safe, then you might end up just on the front lines with a uh, an Imperial officer ready to pull his gun on you just in case you go a bit weird. Oh, jeez. Yeah, because, you know, first sign of, uh, particularly 40k when you get to the Commissars, um, first sign of a psyker going a bit squiffy, uh, they'll put a bolt through his head for, this, for the good of everyone else. Jeez. So, yeah, you know, the it's different, it's different. they remind me of those people from uh, Minority Report. Right, yeah. So, yeah, um, Navigate, uh, yeah, there's... Yeah, there's different ways they work as well. Because once you get to navigators and to uh, navigators is very interesting. Actually, there's a lot of I think Space Wolf novels cover a bit about navigators, um, and then the telepaths who send the messages as well. I mean, the Imperium couldn't run without these psychers, and that's that's part of the uh, another part of the great contradiction of the Imperium. Psychers are their biggest threat, and yet the Imperium cannot survive without psychers. Um, hmm. uh, and that's brought up again, you know, later on. I, I won't even start to talk about that because that's only spoilers. So, okay, yeah, there's, 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 you know, this is, you know, and it's, it's made comment of in a number of books. You know, the hypocrisy of having this rule about psychers uh, and you know banning the space marines using their psych- their librarian powers and things like that when the whole Imperium would fall down within you know <laughs> hours of of any other psyker being banned and the fact that the imperium uh, the emperors are, <laughs> and the sigilite are hugely powerful psychers themselves yeah so but yeah it's, it's all about the control that can come with them okay but anyway so, so let's yeah, go back to ships. this uh <laughs> black ships and it says that uh, they need those because uh yeah, I mean, they even, would, yeah, they even yeah, say it here, don't they? To conceive so, of crewing a black ship with mere troopers from the Imperial Army or even the Great Astartes would be a, just a path to ruin, it says. Only yeah. the Sisterhood 
could do that. Um, I like that. Uh, one, the, the mutation in the human genome, one in a million might be a psyker, but one in several billion would be an untouchable, the pariah gene. Yeah. The unfettered mental power, yeah, the... Uh, and, but in the uh, days, at the end of the day, they were not superhuman either. They were just blank. That's really interesting. I like that. Yeah. That whole concept is really cool. And bearing in mind that these are all women as well. So if you're a male blank, you can't get in the sisterhood. Um, are there male blanks, and what do they do? Yes, uh, it's the same. Uh, uh, there's no specific organization set up with male blanks. Um, you can read about one in the Caiaphas Kane novels. Um, which is a bit of a spoiler for them, so apologies for anyone I've ruined that for. Uh, but there is one appears in that, and it's quite hilarious what he gets up to. Um, I haven't read without, that yet. Okay. Without really knowing read. about it. Um, yeah, and, and even then, they talk here about what the jobs are. So they, you know, um, the psychers they go and get, um, some they would be kept and tested, many dying or being put down during these tests. The rest oh, would geez. then be sent to the city and site on terror for more testing to hopefully be trained soul-bound and inducted into the astropathic choir so that's where most of them will go most of them will go into the the kind of the telephone the telephonic system of the imperium sending messages across the uh the stretches of the galaxy okay so yeah it's it, it serves quite a role really so no they've got a job and they basically have to go they have to get on a ship and go find the missing ship yeah, is their gig. Um, so they get on. Um, they so they're looking for the the yeah the validus has failed to make three scheduled check ins and they're officially missing. Find it, determine the cause of the anomaly, recover if possible. That's the job. Yeah, the, and, and the worry is that they don't know what's on this black ship. So this black ship is essentially a floating prison. And I like to think of it a little bit like Arkham Asylum, in that there are a, a wild variety of beings in there with a wild variety of powers, and you've no idea if they're going to work together, which ones are sane, which ones aren't, uh, what's going on. You really don't. So they're going into something they have no real idea about. Um, yeah. And so they're left with that last resort is if you can't get in there and sort it, then you've got to neutralize it. Yeah. So um, the person who was in charge of the Validus does not get along with... Yeah, classic. Yeah, so yeah, she had got, become a full sisterhood, and then now they're, they're not friends anymore. They're rivals, blabble, blabble. Um, <laughs> you know, so basically what happens is now she now... Uh, our our main character here, Kendall, she knows she's sort of being watched ever since basically yeah. coming across Garo's path with all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and she's also, she's looking at this because, um, you know, she's got the attack document with the mission ship uh, data. Um, this, uh, this maiden speaking of the voice, uh, which was unsettling to the sisters, uh, the, the ship, and the ship has not left the warp. So immediately, you know, her mind's turning back to what she saw yeah. on Luna and and this kind of realization that there's things out there that they weren't as aware of beforehand. Right. And I thought it was interesting that they that this, this message was sent 
and it wasn't coded. It was sent in the clear, and this is out loud. So you're yeah. listening to it. There's no yeah. code. There's no thing. This was sent as a voice transmission. So this woman broke her code of silence and sent the transmission out loud. And she says, the voice, the voice. And then she screams the voice. And they're sitting there all in the silence of this ship, and you're just getting this this you know voice transmission, which seems all the much louder. You know, it sounds. You know, everything yeah, sounds yeah. much. When you're sitting in a dead silence, every noise is amplified, and this woman shouldn't be speaking in the first place. You know, yeah. oh, it's just, it's so creepy. <laughs> and you know, she, you know, they're all listening. I'm, um, Amandara gets this chill, and she has no idea. And like I said, she's the one who saw this stuff. Some of the other people on the ship with her, they haven't seen it. They don't know. What I mean, it's it's like it's one of those things where she's seen things the others ha- haven't. Yeah, and it makes it worse. Yeah, so she's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, she knows what could be out there. Um, and so now they're getting ready to do stuff, and there's a a, a flare, and uh, you know the tell they're getting they're going to go to the other ship through use of the ship's teleportarium. Okay. <sighs> They teleported down to the planet with Lorgar, and now these guys are teleporting over to the ship. Uh, are teleporters common, and why don't they use them more? I mean, the warp is so dangerous. Well, I mean, the, I know they're probably short range, but it just seems like a weird thing. Like it, you know, you, I don't know. It just seems like right. a, you know. The problem is they're in the warp, so. The any of their shuttles won't have the Gellerfield strong enough to protect. Okay, uh, for very long. So the actually the safest route here is the teleporters, which actually aren't a hundred percent safe. They become a lot safer when you've got uh, teleporting homers, things like that. But there are many things that can go wrong with the teleporters because again, it's um, yeah, it's not as stable as they would like it to be. It's not Star Trek technology for sure. Oh, okay, uh, and quite often you know. When people teleport in, they can accidentally appear inside a wall or inside each other, uh, and that's not good. Oh, but, and um, even Star Trek, they had spaceships running around. It was just, it just, they didn't, yeah. you know. Um, it certainly doesn't work. But in this case, rather than trying to cross ship to ship in the warp, in warp space, onto a ship that has gone silent, uh, with the exception of this thing, you know, it's obviously, plus because they're black ships, they might have slightly better technology. Than some of the others as well, um, you know, it's a different department, as it were. Uh, but yeah, certainly for space marines and stuff, teleporting is an option. But there things can go wrong with it, uh, and then having like teleport homers stuff like that makes it a lot more viable. Essentially, that these guys will have to guess roughly where they're going to teleport. So having also having the ship knowing the op- knowing the ship they're going to will help because they'll know where the rooms are and where the walls are. So they should be able to teleport onto a largest area of space. So if they are slightly gotcha. off-center, off it, it won't kill them all. Uh, now, they're expecting to teleport into something that's really cold and stuff like that, but the air here was warm and dry, like the desert after, just after sunset. And more than that, there was peculiar stillness to it, as if the motes of dust around them were suspended in some sluggish fluid. Um. 
I don't know. Am I missing something there? Is there something that I should take note of? Or is it just if the modes of error suspended, is time working different in here? Am I, is that what I'm supposed to catch? Or Well, we're in the warp. Okay. So who knows? Uh, yeah, the warp allows for travel through, time, uh, through space at times that are usually quicker, but sometimes slower than okay. real time. So the warp is a place that where time doesn't follow a linear pattern. Okay. For sure. This is why in Warhammer 40,000, uh, you know, they're, they're just about to start the 13th Black Crusade again. Um, and you've got Marines who've lived for 10,000 years, but they haven't actually lived for 10,000 years. You know, it's been a lot less time in the warp. Okay. Um, and this is why, this is why some, you can get from Terra to Isfan in time to actually take part in the battle but then sometimes people will arrive before they left, and then sometimes they'll disappear for a year and a half. Okay. And come out, come out as if a week's passed. So yeah, the, the, the immaterium's a strange and weird place. So they get into the ship, and parts of it are weird. Uh, one of the things that came up, and she touched the metal on part of it, and... Uh, her fingertips just the she left dents in the iron and it started to crumble underneath her fingers and they went and they did a reading on it and certain parts of the passageway are registering it like millions of years old yeah you know um there's you know and then they go through and uh it's, it's all crazy creepy stuff yeah trying to trying to keep you on edge uh yeah, Dead and especially people when they, piled up everywhere in certain yeah. corridors. No sisters. Yeah, that's the big. We see discover the surf who tried to crucify himself with a stake thrower, <laughs> uh, which is cool. But yeah, and yeah, no sisters. So yeah, trying to build this creepy house of horrors, as it were. Yep. And uh, as they keep moving through the ship, they keep moving through the ship. They finally get to one part where there's gravity. You know, and they're like, oh, there's gravity in here, which, you know, that's where the astropaths normally are. So they thought that yeah. was really weird because normally astropaths live in zero G. Um, but she saw it. Now she gets in there and uh, they took off all their robes and made nooses and then turned the gravity on. So they actually hung themselves. Yeah. So it's just this place is getting stranger and stranger as you go through um you know they get into this next part it's this this icy you know cavern uh of of a of a of a hull of this place um they're deep deep inside the ship i mean one of the nice bits in there is um they're looking at uh, the bodies strapped inside the escape uh, capsules of the safety pods and they're all dead in there and it's essentially talking about the whole ship whatever did this destroyed their minds she glanced around the corner again all of them all at once uh, in terror's name what happened here you know this is this is yeah. freaky to the people who deal with psychers all the time <laughs> and eventually they get they get on to find the logs don't they right uh, the, the shipmaster's log is intact and we get we get a brief kind of overview uh, of the log. We don't get the whole thing, which is cool. 
Um, the ship had received a signal that hadn't been mentioned to, to Kel's team. Uh, and they had the, all the required ciphers, which is a bit unnerving, but it had been called to that area of space and told to wait. And then the last log gives us the classic scene of a, of a panicking captain and the screaming of a psyker before cutting out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's all the classic tropes, which are cool. <laughs> right. I love the part with the guy in here where um, he's screaming, you can't hear. If I can't hear, you must not hear. You must not hear. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of um, spooky, weird scenes. Yeah. yeah so, as that, you say, in fact, that's, that's really well put. It's, it's, it's all these vignettes of spooky scenes. And I, I've gone through and I've highlighted and I've marked them. But it's, as I'm going through and reading them, I'm like, okay, this is good, but it's not anything we need to really point out. No. It's, it's, it's just... It's all tension building. These these women who have seen the worst psychers in the universe um, are being weirded out by all the things that are happening here. You know, uh, Amandera uh, Kel is experienced. <laughs> She's one tough cookie. And it's like, you know, what's going on? What's going on? Uh, there's no explanation for it. They've never come across this kind of stuff before. Yeah, the null field in the circle around that monster where they can't move, they've got them all held off, um, just all the little weird things. Basically, what it comes down to is they go farther and farther through here. They event- yeah, they eventually get to this, this, like, this hoarfrost starts building, they find a, a cryokeen. Right. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> in mid-run, the psyche pushed into the edge, the faint ghostly periphery where Kendall's pariah gene began to exert its influence upon him, which is quite cool. Um, but yeah, that, that was, that, yeah, they're the ghosts. There's, there's so much stuff as, but it's nice to see how that null kind of area works. It is, it, it emanates from them, which is cool. Um, but we, we finally get to a point where they are properly attacked. Yeah. And it says it's been waiting for her and it knows all their names. And, you know, there's, it starts laughing you know, um, and it says, this is not the face of chaos. What you see here is a message and the messenger. Yeah. And she's like, what message? And it says a message once before a message came and it was too late to change the pattern. You were there. Amandira Kendall, you saw this. And uh, she says, Garrow, a new message, a warning for the ears of the emperor of mankind. Darkness comes, the great eye opens, and Horus rises. The history of tomorrow is known to me. And that's why they stayed in the warp, so they could kind of bend time and send back this message. Yeah, yeah. this, uh, this uh, gestalt, this um, conglomeration of, of psychers into this weird mess. Um, and it's actually, you know, he's trying to say, it's trying to say, I'm not your enemy, the storm is about to break but the course of things can be changed. Um, millennia of endless warfare can be prevented. Believe me. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so this, this thing is, is it's, it, interesting to try and work out what it is. Is this, is this something from the warp that doesn't want to come through? Is this um, someone or, or something that has some kind of foresight? 
Yeah, I mean, it looks, and I am only the portal, the messenger, across the madness of the warp where time and space become unraveled and the tapestry of events falls apart. I call to you from then, hands grabbed at her robes. I warn you from your tomorrows. Your now is my past. I am living in the hell I wish you to uncreate. Centuries gone and the fire's still raging. And that then that scene ends. Yeah. And if... Because this, uh, yeah, um, and we get into this like they're, they're questioning it, they're trying to work it out, uh, you know, trying to trying to decide exactly what what to do, as it were, um, and it takes on the face, it, all of its faces take on the visage of uh, Lelani Molitas, right, which must be seriously creepy. This, it's just this crazy. It's this. It's this weird craziness going on. They're trying to figure out what they had seen. But, but, I mean, but they it it, it explains it. Uh, you know, how can this be? Uh, I have done terrible things to get to this place. Pacts and accords have scarred my soul. Right. And Lilani's there. You know, she doesn't want to believe that she becomes this thing. We are untouchable. They say we have no souls. We have. Else, I would have nothing. Have had nothing to burn. No coin to pay my way here. That price, I, you paid willingly. Now trust me, take me to him and we will be able to reorder a galaxy yet unsullied by. Um, and that's, that's, <laughs> that's when we get the, uh, yeah. the kind of starting of the uh, attack. Yeah, and then her, her rival, Herkazi, yeah. Herkazi's mouth, yeah, makes this noise and she signs that she's a traitor. And if this is to be believed, then you've consorted with mind witches. You've betrayed your oath. So it's like you took an oath to uphold these rules and you broke them to send this message. And if you broke the rules to send this message, then we can't trust the message. So it becomes this catch-22 going on here. Yeah, exactly. And, and even like Hikazi uh, jumping, like believing the reaction means she believes this beast as well. Uh, but Lalani's sitting there thinking, would I do that? Would I? Would I take those steps to get to where that being is and for the right cause yes she would yeah i love it if such a thing had been done what was the magnitude of these sinners pacts her elder self mentioned treating with which kind was the least among them in order to make this bridge across the warp sorcery of the darkest stripe would be needed her pariah gene burned from her DNA, her literal self subsumed into a mass mind for the sole purpose of punching a hole into the past. What magnitude of event could have been so great that have made those choices seem reasonable? So that whole pariah gene, they would have had to, they would have had to pull that out of her DNA, even to have her be able to be with those psychers and, may, and do this thing. But she was willing to do it for whatever reason. Yeah. And, and then Hikazi puts a sword through her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because if you uh, did all that, you are a traitor. And, and she basically said, "Yeah, if that comes down to it, if 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 something was that bad, if the emperor needed to hear this message so badly, if the if the future is so messed up from evil that this was the only way to save us, I would totally be willing to make that sacrifice and do all those things." You would well, then you deserve to die because those yeah. are against against the rules. Yeah, absolutely. And at, at which point, then the, the ship starts to age, starts to kind of show its, you know, the damage it's received, uh, and they all try and run. 
Um, which is an interesting way, you know, is this thing actually Lilani from the future? Uh, does killing her, you know, you start to get into the Bill and Ted, the 12 monkeys thing. Of, um, <laughs> if, if she's dead now, surely she shouldn't, she couldn't come back to tell them. But then you're dealing with warp entities. So, right. it, it can, you know, science goes out the window a little bit. Um, but Kel gets to the point where it's like, yeah, there's ships, you know, there's no reply from my home ship. Nothing's going on. She hits her, her teleport beacon, recall beacon. Right. And comes around in a healing bath. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, and there she is. She wakes up in the healing bath and uh Yeah, they, they, they basically we get the we get the fill in that the um the some of the white talons escaped and witness the ship destroyed by psychic fury and time. And uh Hikazi's with her. Um and and she, you know, her view is straight down the line. She saved Lilani's soul and prevented the actions. Um, and then Kel, who's a little bit more uh, open to to the possibilities, is like, well, maybe we could have learned more. Maybe we could actually have learned exactly what was going on and stopped more now. And that's always, I mean, that's that's a question that no one can ever really answer, is it? Yeah. Where you know, Hikazi's got a. She's she's always going to have a straight line in the sand, whereas Kells is always going to be malleable depending on the circumstances. Yeah, and she basically was like, you know, we could have said something, we could have done something, we could have found something out. You, you, now she, she, she woke up in this thing. She killed future her, right? Though is that the one she killed? Was future her? No, she killed her while she still had her soul. She killed real her. She killed the real Lelani. Okay. Um, because the 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 gestalt being had already lost its soul. Oh, that's right. So, and, so oh, by right, killing, oh, yeah, I, killing real time her, she's killed right. her as an innocent. Okay, and then Kendall wakes up the one, and Kendall is like, "You killed that messenger, whatever truth there was," and she's like, "No one will believe you, and I will lie, and you'll ruin everything, and at worst, you'll split the sisterhood. Do you want to do that?" And it's just like, oh. <laughs> You really want to, you know, at best you're going to just just ruin your own life. At worst, you're going to ruin everybody's life. Is that what you want to do? Oh, so, so bad, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a hard choice, but we get we get the reason why at the end of it. Um, Kendall turns around to her. You are a blind fool, arrogant and superior. Um, you and every one of your stripe are a cancer on the Imperium. I see better than you. My eyes are open to the truth. Only one so divine as the God Emperor has the right to tamper with the weave of history. Um, yeah, so, you know, Hakaze is a, is a follower. Yep. The Lecticio, which is like, whoa. If there is to be a war, it's because he wishes it. I'm the vessel for his voice, sister, and all who are mute before his glory will not rise with me. She vanished yeah. into the darkness and she cl- and held closed her eyes inside. She sought out silence, but it remained lost to her. Yeah, crazy. So this this it's really weird because that whole thing she spoke, she didn't sign it. Right. So it's like, you know, the game's changed for her on that level. Uh, so you're going to have this big kind of uh, split between the two of them again. You've got, you know, someone who's pretty powerful in the sisterhood is now a follower of the God Emperor. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, there are all these little creepy things leading her to 
that was where we needed to get, which is that yeah. it really builds an atmosphere, and that's yeah, that's ninety percent of what it does is building this atmosphere of which. Which, which, which is, we're not, which you and I are not going to be able to get across. You need to no, read it's it. It's a waste of time. Yeah. But also, it it what it does do is when we finally get to the Gestalt being, it gives it that sense of yes, this Gestalt being is crazy, weird stuff. So yeah, without that, it's just oh, it's a weird Gestalt being thing. But actually, when you look at everything that's happened around it, and when the, when that then says I've come back in time, it's like yeah, maybe. <laughs> I can really believe that. There's some crazy, crazy-ass stuff going on here. Exactly. Um, yeah, which is really cool. Um, and, nope. and the, yeah, yeah uh, Amandela Kendall's story continues. Yeah. And she, I'm trying to remember the next time we see her, but certainly has a part to play in the Garrow uh, line of stories, um, which is pretty cool. Yes, it is. I think we're going to call it, though. I think we're going to yes. call it because uh, we got three more stories. Call of the Lion, The Last Church, and oh, yeah. After Deshea. Yeah. Um, but I think we can do all three of those because they're, they're actually – all three of those are a little bit shorter than the – Yeah, we'll never get, we'll never ones. talk longer than we think that we will, never. <laughs> but, I, I mean, mean, those are shorter. I, well, I don't want to do two and then have a fourth episode where we cover just no, one story. No, hopefully but those, we're done. Those, I mean, that I mean, last church could last a while, but um, – Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. so good, too. <laughs> talk about talking points. But, yes. And the call of the lion. The lion's coming back. You know, I, I – Oh, well. I, I like um, him more. I like him more and more the more I read about him. He's so he's so weird. He's so hard to understand. I, I you know the more I read his stories, it's like maybe he's not hard to understand. Maybe he's no, just no, a douche. He's, he but, is a bit of both. A little from column A and a little from column B. They're all kind of jerks. They kind of have to be. No, no, Vulcan's not. Russ isn't. No, it's fine. <laughs> Russ isn't. Oh, that's Vulcan, true. Vulcan isn't. Yeah, uh, but a lot of them are. Um, but yeah, yeah. There's there's plenty to be talking about, and um, yeah, that'd be cool. So uh, I thought, I thought these were great stories. I'm looking forward to. Yeah, hopefully it came across. I, I realized, you know, that was, that was maybe I don't know. Maybe it was just one of those nights where we had a few little things going on in our minds, but. It's hard to. It is sometimes hard to talk about these stories, like we did with uh, the wolf at the door. It was like, well, bolter porn happens. Yeah, you know. I mean, there's certain parts that it's it's really honestly better to read. And that one, I mean, it's like a ghost story on that ship. That ship was a ghost story, and I could tell you all the cool little scenes, and I could get really excited about them. But really, honestly, read them, read those, yeah. and it, what you need to know is when they got on that ship, they met across a lot of really creepy things a lot of strange things in the warp happened but it's nothing if you're reading these things it's nothing that you aren't used to I mean and there's nothing in there that I'm going to delve into with the deep symbolism where you get into it is in that strange moment at the end where you find out horrible horrible things have happened and she has basically sold off you know sold yeah. off all of her beliefs and everything in a final effort to try and stave off the horrors that she has witnessed in her life. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, it's all groovy. Yeah. Awesome. So, all right. 
that's our two stories. We will be back for part three um, when we're back. Um, and until then, folks, the Emperor protects. Death to the Fools Emperor. Congratulations on completing another episode of After Eleanor. David and Greg would love you to come and chat some more about the Horus Heresy in the forums at garagehammer.net slash forum or on the Facebook page. Just search for After Eleanor. You can email us if you wish at greg at garagehammer.net or david at garagehammer.net. Finally, you can catch us on Twitter at After Eleanor, at Child of Fang for Greg and at garagehammer for David. If you'd like to support the show, you can visit the support page on the main website at garagehammer.net and you can leave a positive review on iTunes. In addition, you can tell all your friends to come and join the community. Many thanks for listening, and until the next episode, may the Emperor protect.